Like I said, I'm going to take this because you know I I want you to understand the gospel of God. There's a lot of joke around. You know, once you believe, you are saved. That is true. But what do you mean by believing? What do you mean by believing? Is it believing that does not go with repentance? Listen to me. You have not believed. You are not saved. That was why I tried to explain already that somebody I'm teaching salvation by works. I said, are you out of your mind? You want to sit inside your iniquity and claim you believed? You have not believed. You have not believed. You have not believed. Believing doesn't mean I've heard the gospel. It doesn't mean I put up my hand. Was that not what Jesus, why Jesus said, go and make disciples? Jesus was emphatic about the fact that they had to be what? Disciples. Becoming a disciple is an important part of the claim to have believed. If you claim you believe your, your hand went up and then you never became a disciple, I have got news for you today. You are still in your sins. You are not saved. You see, I bring salvation by works. I don't know what you know called works. You put up your hand. You did not become a disciple. Bros, answer the next altar call and start again. Get down to the next altar. Start again. You ain't saved yet. You're kidding. All the salvation by faith is in your heart. It's why you, there are churches. There are churches you mentioned their name. These guys from that church. My boss, my bag of money. I shook everything inside my boot. Lock him. <laughs> How are you, bro? How are you doing? I'm already locking my boot. Oh. Why? You mentioned that you're a member of a particular church. And for us, we think it doesn't matter. And the same people. In fact, the church I'm thinking about right now, they're a champion of this gospel. I have known them for over 20 years. They have only gotten worse. But they are fruit. You shall know them. That gospel was good. If it was true, haba. You should have produced something good. The church where you hear that, ah, that church, hmm, don't go there. They are very moral. And it's not one of comment. It's a constant, constant, you know, description for a body of believers. No wonder Jesus had to rise up and write the letters to the churches. They are saying that no, he was telling them that their salvation is secure. No, Jesus said, you are kidding. I'm going to wipe some people's nails off. Watch me, I will do it. The only thing I do is I give them time. We reread funniest, you know, we just turn some scriptures upside down. He said, Follow after holiness without which no man will see God. <laughs> we pretend like Paul didn't write it. Let me tell you again today. He wrote it, he meant it. God inspired him to tell us that. Have answering an altar call, it doesn't mean you believe. Like I said today, what I want to describe is, what does it mean to believe? What does it mean to believe? So, we get out of our minds that believing is, I, I agree. I answered an altar call. Let me tell you a few stories to help you see what I'm trying to say. I, I recommended this book, this book before. It's a good book. Run, Baby, Run by Nicky Cruz. That's the name of the book, yes. Run, Baby, Run by Nicky Cruz. Ricky Cruz was a gangster from Puerto Rico. He moved to New York. 
hating everybody. As a young boy, at the age of uh, is this six, 15, as a teenager anyway. One day, let me make a long story short. He left school, decided to start living on his own. And the only way he could pay his rent was to steal. He joined a gang, the Mau Mau, and they were doing everything evil. For them, it's fun to fight and injure yourselves. They are missed die in the process. Sexual immorality is not something you think about. It's a normal life. It's just normal. If you're the leader of the gang, you pick any of the gang girls anytime you want. That was the life of my, uh, uh, Nikki Cruz. Teenager. 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 What people don't know is that Nikki Cruz never could sleep at night. Some people you are watching during the day who are dancing for you, who are doing, hey, 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 and then they are, <laughs> they are trousers, abozu. It's in this place. They are boxers, what we are seeing. You know, you'll be looking like their head is not correct. And if you, if it, they can't sleep. They can't sleep. Chris Okuti, he said when it was raining, because it was the two phase of his days, all right? He was a student in UNEC here. He was living, you know where he was living? Federal Palace in Lagos. He was a student in UNEC. Living where? Federal Palace in Lagos. He was a student in Enugu, Faculty of Law. How did he take lecture? He flies in. Think about it. Can't two face afford that? Don Jazzy can do that easily. That student, Chris Okote, could do it too. But he said, what we did not know is that his worst problem was how not to jump out of his window and commit suicide. When he gets back to his suit, he didn't, wasn't staying in one, uh, 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 do you want a double or a single room? No. Sweet. Top floor. Federal Palace Hotel. His worst problem was that at night, he would look down and the desire to jump will overwhelm him. <laughs> Look, like one of my brothers would say, you don't know what God, what God has given you being a Christian. You are completely, you don't have money. If God gives you the money and gives you other things, you will say, Lord, please take the money. This is what it costs. I'm telling you the truth. Boris Becker won two Wimbledons at a stretch. At the age of 17, youngest guy at that time, Boom Boom Boris. Next year, he came back, defended his title, became a millionaire instantly. They asked him shortly after, what is your greatest challenge? He said, overcoming the compelling urge to commit suicide. He said, the drive to commit suicide is too strong. That that is the greatest challenge I have, staying alive. <laughs> Nikki Cruz, back to Nikki Cruz's story. At night, he could not sleep. Fear, worse than fear, terrified him. If he falls asleep like this, he wakes up instantly as if he's going to hell, as if somebody is choking him. He felt oppressed constantly. His father used to practice a form of shamanism with which they did deliverance of people. His father tried deliverance on him. Nikki Cruz could not sleep. You see him, gang boys around him, he's a big boy. Anyway, let me make a long story short. One day David Wilkerson came, Long story. Please get the book if you can. It's a beautiful book to read. Run, baby, run. Nikki Cruz. So that David Wilkerson came and then preached the gospel. And he and many of the gang members, they gave their lives to Christ. In fact, he said that day they would have killed him. He did not know that the police, 
that thank God police did not see them coming because they all went to the police station next day with the Bibles David Wilkerson gave to them, each one carrying his Bible. They went there, brought their guns, and said to the sergeant that um, we came to drop our guns and our weapons. We won't be needing them anymore. We're now your friends. He said, thank God they did not notice they, when they were coming. Because police would have gunned them down. Because, you know, you see gang boys yeah. with their jackets and everything, carrying weapons. Apprentice. He said they would have gunned them down. They would just assume it's war. He said, but God just ensured that the police people did not see until they had entered the police station. So they dropped their weapons on the, alt- on the, on the counter. The, the sergeant couldn't believe it. Let's use a Nigerian system. The DPO. The DPO was wondering what is going on here. <laughs> so, he said, what happened? He said, ah, there's one guy, one slim guy like this that came to town. He's a preacher. So they, they asked questions around. So one guy said, yeah, he knows where the preacher is staying. He said, call him. So they called the preacher and he came. Even he was shocked. You know, there's a way your gospel will work. You wonder, did those where I use it correct? <laughs> he saw a pile of weapons. And the young men were there with their Bibles, begging the policemen to autograph Bibles for them. Whatever trick you are using on this matter, apparently it's working. Just continue your good. <laughs> but you see where I'm going now. Of course, they all had their Bibles and all of that. But then that was when persecution began. That night when Nicky Cruz went back home, he did not know when he fell asleep. It was his light from the sun the next day that woke him up. It was sleep he had not he can't remember ever having since he was a baby. You are getting my point? Now, this same Nicky Cruz. So, after that persecution began, okay, that night, of course, I had a very, very good sleep. And then, rival gangs. You know what they call Satan? Rival gangs rose and said, eh, he's not a Christian. Let's attack. One day he was going home. One boy, listen, he stuck the knife through his hand. Not, not, it wasn't joking. In the fight, that boy's knife went through Nicholas' hand completely. He bled until he almost fainted. Don't think bleeding is a joke. <laughs> that is, he was weak from bleeding. Now, this, one of the things that happened to him was that as they were fighting, he looked at this, this boy, I can't kill this one. He said, he just backed up against a car that had an antenna there. He broke the antenna of the car and he said, for me, that antenna is as deadly as any weapon. So he just knew the steps he would take. And he took those steps. Next thing, the boy's neck was exposed. All he had to do was to sink the antenna into it. So, but the Holy Spirit said, turn the other cheek. He threw down his weapon. By that time, he had taken the boy's knife, kicked the knife into a gutter, left the boy there, and walked away, bleeding. That boy couldn't believe it. His friends couldn't believe it. These are, they were all getting attacked here and there. They got to the hospital. Of course, that was when they had to treat him and everything. Of course, Wilkerson, we hear about all of these things. Now, you see where I'm going. Many of the gang members will come and say, listen, oh boy, this Christianity thing is not sweet. His close friend said, I'm going back to the gang. One by one, they went back to the gang. I want to ask you a question. Are they saved? That's the question I just want to ask you. Let's assume they were saved on that day. They did they told, they, look, please get the book. They told him, we have weighed the two. 
this your gospel is good, but it's not safe. Let me go back to the gang where I have protection, where I have my friends around me, where they will stand up for me. They explain to him, look at it, you almost got killed. What else do you need to know? You're supposed to come back. And he told them, I'm sorry, guys, I'm done with that lifestyle. He called David Wilkerson. They negotiated, okay, what will happen that you will leave New York? And that was what he did. He left New York. He told one of his friends to come with him. That one said he will come. They looked for that one that day. Make a long story short, they didn't see him. That one decided that they were not reliable people. He went back to the gang. Another of his friends, he talked to that one, begged him. The next time he saw that he was doing crusades in New York. He was back to doing crusades in New York. So he asked after this guy, where is he? See that one? His parents had driven him from home. He was living in an uncompleted building. So he traced that one down. I said, oh boy, what's happened to you? All of us give our lives to Christ. What happened to you? That one refused to. This one, this one. He had to go back to the gang. He had to go back to the gang. He said, as he was about to leave, he looked at the guy and said, listen, this is your last chance. The boy didn't listen. Next time he came, where is he? He said, he's dead. What happened? They went one night to go and kill a rival gang member. He tell me that he put his hands one day for another call. It means he's saved. You know what some people say in their minds? You don't understand the power of grace. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't tell me I don't understand the power of grace. That is not grace. These men are denying the faith. Reading your Bible, people deny the faith. And the Bible says if we deny him, he will deny us. For people like those young men, the only thing that the Bible still says concerning them is that if they return, there is no problem. They will be taken. When that they are states, don't tell me they are saved there. That one went to go and kill. With the other gang members, he went to go and kill. But what he did not know was that the other boy he wanted to kill was smarter than the three of them. As soon as they arrived, the boys threw something, knocked out the light, so the place was pitch dark. And that boy, he knew he was fighting for his life. He was alone against three rival gang members. So he had, you know what they call a bayonet? A knife on it, like you know, that he hang on the gun, yes. So he had it mounted and he was just you know, fighting blindly. And in the dark, he stuck it into the boy's chest. They didn't see him, we were just trying to get away. That bayonet entered the boy's chest. And the boy started crying, Please, I'm afraid. I don't want to die. See, fear gripped him. But he died. When Nicky Cruz came back, where is he? They said, Oh, he went to kill somebody at night. The person killed him and is dead. A boy who they all supposedly gave their lives to Christ. The trials of life came out and they started denying their faith one by one. And somebody wants to tell me they believe. Of course they don't believe. These people did not believe. They didn't. Let's say it clear. Faith is not I agree. To believe does not mean I put up my hand one day and I answered an altar call. Then I went back living my life normally. You know, David Paulson told a story that a young woman came to church, gave her life to Christ and everything. I came to see Paulson and said to Paulson, listen, I don't understand. Something in me is just not clicking with this Christianity thing. What is the problem? David Paulson said she was talking he was praying, looking to God to give him a word of wisdom. And he did. Suddenly he asked the girl, 
the guy you are living with, are you married to him? And the guy said no. Oh, you came from that house to give your life to Christ and you went back there. What kind of church do you think we run here? Sorry, I'm the one that added those last two lines. The young woman told David Paulson that the, man, the, 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 the guy said marriage is just a piece of paper. As long as they love each other. Well, so David Paulson said to her, sorry, it doesn't work like that. If you say you have given your life to Christ, this is what it means. You will go back there, pack, and get out. That's why I wrote an article years ago. I called the cost of salvation. I haven't thought a message on it. That salvation is free, I know. But it makes a demand of you. And when you refuse his demand, you deny the free salvation. Listen to me. That was why James had to write. James said, you say Abraham was justified by faith. Was he justified by faith sitting in his house without sacrificing Isaac? Was he justified by faith? God said, move to a land I will show you. He said in awe. And he's sitting down there. I said, yes, I believe there is a land he will show me. He said, he was justified by faith. I will agree. He said, but how did we know his faith was real? When God said, move, he moved. When God said, sacrifice Isaac, he did. He said, his works cooperating with his faith is what allowed us to know that his faith was real. He said, his works, by them, his faith was perfected. He said, show me your faith without the works. I will use my works to show you my faith. He said, faith that doesn't have works to show is a dead one. And that one cannot save anybody. Sometimes I don't understand why Christians argue with me about it. Are you afraid of, of the works of faith? Let me just quickly explain. There is a difference between the works of the law and the works of faith. There is a world of difference. Between the works of the law and the works of faith. What are works of the law? For you to be promoted in this, in this ministry, this church. You do this, you do this. In fact, you submit your time with an affidavit. <laughs> you must never miss prayer meeting. You must go through workers training. Advanced workers training. Then you must fast all of those things. Forget whether they are good or they are bad. I'm not talking about them. But they are the works of, in quotes, the law. They are the works of the laws of this ministry. They don't save anybody. What's the work of faith? The work of faith is that which comes out of you. It's that which faith demands of you. And you do it as a sign of the genuineness of your faith. If you don't have it, your faith is dead. You're not saved by works. It's just a way to show that faith is there. And let me say something about faith. You can't tell yourself, I know I believe. That thing is a lie. People, no, listen to me. People can be deceived. That's why I said, be, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. People can be deceived as to what they have in them as spiritual qualities. They can be deceived. You can find somebody who says, I believe. God says, this one doesn't believe anything. So it's okay, how do I know I believe? He says, simple. Check your works. That was why some people were telling me that I was preaching salvation by works. I don't know which Bible you read. As for the twisting of uh, Paul's gospel, it's not today. That was why James had to respond. The whole of you are going there jumping, jumping, jumping. Eh, eh, salvation is by faith. Salvation is by faith. Salvation is by faith. 
You are very good to quick to prophesy. Somebody is hungry. He comes to you. He comes to you. But oh, by the unction upon my head. <laughs> so this please relax, relax, Ross. How much is your pocket? Five thousand. Give that boy five hundred naira. This prayer is not necessary. You know what God is saying? If you don't produce that five hundred naira and give that guy all this, your kelabu all the tongues you are speaking. All the groaning you are groaning, all this is rubbish. You don't have any faith. You know the truth? You think you have. You think you have. But you actually don't. You don't have. Many people, they are deceived. I was telling you a story about the person and the girl. Did I finish it? No. They told the girl simply. This is how it works. So. The girl left and never came back. She saved. Like I said, I'm describing, I want to, for the, okay, my time is almost, is actually gone. I just wanted to explain that faith, to believe, does not mean to agree. I've already explained one. For example, okay, I won't worry in that time, there was one portion we jumped. Uh huh, but that was to me was most important. Acts chapter 26. This is the same Paul who was explaining to us Righteousness by faith, justification by faith, believe and be saved. Look at what he said, describing his experience. He said, consequently, King Agrippa, I, Paul, he said, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Did you see that? Who wrote Romans chapter 3? Who wrote it? Ephesians chapter 2? Romans chapter 10? All these are arguments on righteousness by faith. It's not by faith. It's by works, not by works. Who, who uttered all of these things? Paul. Look at what Paul said the Lord told him to preach. He said, after my experience, that's after God met him on the way. Acts chapter 26. From verse 20 now. I read from 19. But let me just go down 20. He said, I kept declaring both to those of Damascus first. And also at Jerusalem. And then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. You know what? That is what it means to believe as far as Paul was concerned. So many times we will sit down and say, Paul said, believe, you understand, and be saved. <laughs> this was what he called believe. He didn't think he had, you know, we, we, we are the ones that, Reduce believing to mental agreement. Believing is not mental agreement. Paul here said it is turning to God, repenting and performing deeds that's in keeping with repentance. We, we took the word believe and killed it. You know, sometimes that's a mistake we make. We take a modern word that we use, superimpose it, on the Bible meaning, 
because the words are the same. Let me give an example. Hope. Hope. When we use the word hope, you know what we keep on saying? Hope is uncertain. But that's not Bible hope. Bible hope is certain. We say take hope. Then look for faith to give it what? Substance. It's like saying, build a building. When you like it, call Bishop to help you put a foundation. Oh, he's a very good architect. He will put a foundation for you. You get a very good structural engineer. They will put a foundation. Does it make any sense? Which one is first? The building or the foundation? Faith is a foundation of hope. By the time somebody has hope, it is because he already has what? Faith. It is not as if he takes his hope and looks for something to make it solid. And what the Bible says by faith, he said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. By the time you see hope, faith was there. This is how it goes. The word of God, faith, and hope. Hope is a product of interacting with God's word. It gives you an expectation for life. And hope does not make ashamed. That's what the Bible says. He said, in him, the Gentiles will hope. I've been getting my point here. In him, the Gentiles will what? We hope. Because it is not a wishy washy. But we took our modern use of the word hope. I said, Mecca, will you be at home tomorrow? I hope so. Which means, assuming heavens don't fall, assuming the rains don't fall, assuming I have nowhere else to go, I will be at home. That, that's hope. In English, so we now superimpose. In the same manner, we have taken our modern belief and have turned it, we put it over the Bible belief, and we are now misreading the Bible using our wrong meaning of the word believe. So somebody now says that, ah, you believe me? I believe you now. I wish I go. Do I believe you? So when they say Jesus died for us, he says, I believe too. This way I be, the same way I believe my neighbor. Now, so I believe say Jesus too died. Are you getting my point here? So everything is lumped together. They will not tell ourselves. Once you have believed, you you are saved. Except that the person you are talking to actually probably does not believe. Like that young woman gave us an example. She didn't believe. Are you getting my point here? Paul said it clearly. This is my definition of believing. You turn to God. Repent of your sins. And give me proof, evidence of doing works in keeping with repentance. Until I see that, you leave me in doubt whether you have believed. Your hand that went up during the altar call, hands go up all the time. Sometimes the ushers moved you forward, not knowing that you were scratching. Not knowing that you were scratching your armpit. Are you getting my point? Another place, because of time, I just have to rush about this. A second place I want to use to describe the word believe, to know it's not just agreeing, is that one we have read here many times. John chapter 3 and Numbers chapter 21. I'll just summarize it. Then next time, with my, when we are reviewing, we may just explain that one in a bit more details. Now, you see what the Bible says in John chapter 3. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whosoever believes in him, we have eternal life. So how does it mean to believe? We read from Numbers chapter 21 that it said, this is how they looked at the serpent. What John was saying, us, saying to us is that 
The same way they looked at the serpent and were healed is the same way you look at Jesus and you are saved. Are you getting my point? How did they look at the serpent? He said they looked at him steadily, expectantly. There are four words we use a lot of times. Huh? Steadily, attentively, with a steady and absorbing gaze. Yes. So it's attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. So you see, they did not just answer an altar call and leave. They kept Jesus before their eyes. They were focused on him all the time. I'll talk about it later. That is why sometimes people shipwreck their faith. Somebody tells them that they are saved, they are always saved. Nonsense. Look, you know what Paul said? He said, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. These were Christians. Paul said they shipwrecked their faith. <laughs> Belief does not mean I agreed one time. One day an evangelist came to our, time, our town, I agreed. Then I joined APC and became a thug. There was one guy that those days would go to church. <laughs> they say on campus he was a good, he was a campus fellowship leader and all of that. Then one day people saw him with some other boys, the days of our governor at that time. They were beating one guy. Beating. In the open. Be- beating. So church members saw him and said, ah, brother, okay, Mote, why are you beating somebody? <laughs> no, I told the church members, they should get away. This is not church, this is politics. Shipwreck of faith. People shipwreck their faith all the time. Somebody's telling me, once saved, always saved. I'm sorry, I can never agree with you. The Bible did not teach me that. Listen to me. For many people I've described, one thing that they have is that they have not crossed the point in which Jesus said, you can't come back. That's what a lot of them have. Sometimes Paul will say, beg. I'm, ple- I'm pleading with you. Be reconciled to God. But don't tell me the man who's estranged from God is saved in an is a strange state because God is faithful. No, please, please, please. The Bible didn't teach that. The Bible never t- did. Grace dot, does not mean everything goes with God. No. Please, we just finished reading through the book of Revelations. Took us like how many sessions? 12, 13? Yes, we kept on going through the book of Revelation, just chapter 2 and chapter 3. Just those two chapters were on need for nothing less than 20 hours. Explaining that Jesus had to write, that I don't like what you guys are doing. Please, I want hot Christians. I don't want lukewarm people. We went through to let us know that God is demanding serious Christianity from his people. Not somebody having confidence that no matter, no matter what I do, I'm saved. You're not. In fact, for you to want it shows your spirit is wrong. Oh, your spirit is wrong. Your spirit is very wrong. How can I preach like this? Somebody say I'm a hyper-grace preacher. I want to say, if you give me the rest of the story, now me and you will begin to get a problem. 
not the joker that you are. You say, you say Pastor Bank is hyper grace. You know, people don't like when you say you, they shouldn't give to get. They say it's hyper grace. <laughs> I don't know if you have hyper grace. I definitely am not a hyper grace. But I will say it again. When you want to get, what do you do? You ask. Thank you very much. When you want to give, what do you do? You give. When you want to help somebody, what do you do? You help. You give. You are not doing it for yourself. But when you need something for yourself, what do you do? You ask. If that is hyper grace, guilty as charged. Let me leave it here. I hope I made some point today. I'm just introducing to us what I want to explain over the next few days on grace, how it works. Along the line, I'll talk about assurance of salvation. Let me just say it as I close. I'm not saying God is looking for who, who to send to hellfire. Like I said, your dad decided like a joke. I said, but if that's what he wants, he should just get ready to occupy heaven. Only the three of them. Father, son, and who now? What about the angels? They don't qualify. I hope you know they don't qualify. Go and read Job chapter 4. You know they don't qualify. It's heaven against his angels. He has charge. <laughs> they don't qualify. So God will stay in his heaven all by himself. All, all of us, his children, will, all of us will come to hellfire. Are you getting my point? I'm looking at Heavenly Father from a long distance. But except that that is not how he wants to do it. He's not looking for who to toss into hellfire. He's not looking for who to condemn. Actually, he's very reluctant to condemn everybody. Go and read your Bible well. Look at Jezebel. The Jezebel revelation in chapter 2. Listen, you'll be asking God, what are you doing with patience with people like this? I did not spoil more things while you are being patient with them. And God will say, that's why even me, I thank God, say, man, not be God. <laughs> because Jezebel for the wrong point. Everyone would not die. Because, you know, there's a kind of patience God has. And you'll be wondering, say, God, we need to remind you to judge some things. You are creating confusion for us. He's very patient. David said he does not deal with us according to the multitude of our iniquities. No. Do you know he overlooks a lot of our errors? Yeah. Oh, God, is, that is a habit. Just say, okay, Muti. He said he's not going to leave him. <laughs> That's it. Michael will come and say, see the one he did yesterday? He said, leave him. Michael, if you touch him, Gabriel will come and say, I'm not delivering his errand. He said, you will. Why? Look at what he did. He said, what is his name? He doesn't know anything. Just leave him. <laughs> so we are teaching him small, small. We are teaching him small, small. That's how patient he is. You know when he gets angry, he now goes, okay, when to come. When you wake up in the morning, face the east and worship. So I know what I'm telling you. God, the, all the angels are waiting. <laughs> you won't know what I just said. When you wake up in the morning, okay, raise up your head, lift up your hands, and say thank you. He hasn't asked for much. They wake up next morning. He say, ah, my wife is almost late. I'm carrying her to work. Is that looking at you? Say, Michael, kill that engine. Engine unlock. Boom. After some time, you have some sense. You wake up in the morning. You put up your two hands and say, Lord, I thank you. You do it for one week. There's something you realize, ah, the children started school. Holiday is over. You rush out again. That's when he starts getting angry. He's slow to anger. He has overlooked so many faults. The normally each time he tells, corrects us concerning one thing. You know, that one is glaring. Life is so complicated. Believe me, there are too many things you can't learn easily. 
So you get it wrong so many times. Do you know what he does? He overlooks it. He says he's mindful that they are both flesh. Later I'll explain it. All of these arguments is saved or not saved. God said, I'm just looking for the ones whose hearts actually pants after me. Those people, you see as we go on, what we call the fear, what they call it, um, the mercy of God. How it endures with a qualification. What's the qualification? On those who fear him. What does that mean? It means that even though they fear God, they make a lot of mistakes. They commit a lot of sins. But God looks at their hearts, basically they fear me. So my mercy is everlasting on their heads, on their children. I know they don't do many things right. I'm aware of that. They can't even pray correctly. Half of the prayer, mm, mumble everything together. I know. He said, but look at that guy's heart. He fears me. He loves me. He starts casting all his errors. Casting all his errors. But some will get up and say, we are safe. Let's go to the bar. Catch two babes there. Get drunk. And wake up tomorrow morning, we won't remember what we did. I'm not going to go to hell. Were you not in church? Were you not once saved? Are you not always saved? Because they didn't know why I'm going to kill you. <laughs> because you love iniquity. Are you getting my point? You love it. So when you find the excuse, you rush for it. So people say, why, why, why is he destroying these people? Did they do more than the other people? People say, hey, 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 hey. You don't understand. To you, it looks the same. But to me, I know what's going on. This one has a heart that fears me. This one does not regard me as anything. Go and read your Bible. The man, Esau. Maybe we'll talk about him later. Esau didn't do much evil. If you count, apart from making his mother and his father sad, by the kind of wives he married, Esau did not do anything. Esau did not do anything. It was Jacob that was sneaky. Give me food now. Wait till you go give me back. Your name is sir? Yes. But you sound like Jacob. I have sore throat. <laughs> they touched me. Took advantage of his father's blindness. For poor sight at that point in time. That was Jacob. But Jacob, God loved. And Esau, he hated. And made his mountains a desolation. Why? Because the Bible calls Esau a godless man. Nice guy, but godless. Nice man, but godless. Strong, honest, hard-working guy, but godless. Sometimes I look at when people want to judge some societies. Say, you're always going to church. They don't go to church in Japan. Look at their progress. They don't go to church in, church in Europe. Look at their progress. God said, Banky, tell them, this is my opinion. I will make all their mountains desolations. What are you doing that Esau has not done before? I place a curse on Esau. And I said his mountains would be a desolation. What are they doing that they have not done before? You work hard, work hard, you build a country. Eh? Gather, watch, one day I'm going to scatter it. I like the fact that we go to church. It is good. We are like Jacob. Our generations will endure. See the Europeans? God is replacing them already. Many of you all don't know right now that UK is like one third Muslim. The moment they appointed their last mayor of London, that's when you know the sign of the times. Not only that they are becoming Muslims, they are being replaced. Shebi, you marry, one man will marry one woman, right? In Europe. The white people. And have half children. <laughs> you see why they say half? It's when they agree to even have at all. 
They did not say, oh, why must I marry a man? I'm a woman, why must I marry a man? But I like Angela. And my name is Eunice. Then they make a law, marry each other. Two, two adults again, no children again from that angle. Then the Muslim will arrive. Allah Akbar, five children. <laughs> In two generations, one man and one woman, Pakistani, they produce 40 offsprings. Simply by waiting. And of course, God has removed some sense. As soon as you born the Peking, you're a citizen. Oh, yes. Let's, let's leave it there. Stop talking that nonsense. They don't go to church. They are developed. That's Esau. There's a curse the Lord has placed upon Esau. His mountains will become in desolation. As a matter of fact. <laughs>